0: Hey, this is DJ Kirkbride. I'm the co writer of The Once and Future Queen, and you are listening to Ten Pod Radio. Welcome to Shortlisted, the podcast where we take a top ten list from the internet and talk about it for 60 minutes. We just set a timer, talk for an hour, and then shut up whether or not we've made it through the list. We're not exactly racing the clock, we're just shortlisting the facts. Here we go. Okay, so this is what top 10 magical facts you didn't know about Harry Potter. And number 10 is Ivana Lynch beat anorexia, but she wasn't guaranteed the role of Luna Lovegood because of it. So what actually happened, um, the article says the story that originally made the rounds was that Lynch was dying of anorexia and wrote to J.K. Rowling begging her for the part in the Harry Potter movies. And Rowling apparently agreed on the condition that Lynch got better. Not so. Ivana Lynch was just an average 11 year old from Ireland who was doing inpatient therapy for anorexia. She also happened to be a huge or a massive Harry Potter fan. She wrote to Rowling expressing her fondness for the author, and to her surprise, Rowling responded every time. She told Rowling about her disease, and the author encouraged her to beat it, but the role of Luna Lovegood was never mentioned in the letters. Lynch recovered, and at the age of 14, she found out auditions were being held in London from a fan website and begged her father to take her. It happened in such a short, space of time that I just didn't get to tell her, Lynch said. The producers told her, Rolling because they just mentioned the names of the people, and she was really shocked.
1: Yeah, d- d- one of the things about most of these that I think is, like, I think a lot of these were pushed by, like, publicity people. Yeah, yeah, and well,
0: on all the fan websites and
1: Yeah, because they're nice little stories for the most part. Most of them are.
0: Right, right. So these pictures of her are crazy, though. She looks so much different as Luna than – like in that first one, she looks so unhealthy.
1: Yeah, and she's not, like, uh, uh, my girlfriend Marlena, like, she went to one of the Harry Potter days, and mm-hmm. she, and she's seen her, and met her. Oh, yeah. And she's not a, a big person at all, anyways. Like, she's no. kind of a small person, like, short anyways, and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and, yeah, seeing her, like those previous photos is like yeah
0: yeah she looks rough she seems so cool though like she's just her character's very cool but even like in interviews and articles i've read about her she just seems like a really neat person
1: yeah and it's one of those things like you 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 kind of want to believe the story because it makes it seem like it was faded because she was so good at that role.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, even so though, it's kind of neat. I bet that was a really neat surprise for Rowling. Like, oh my gosh, this girl that I've been communicating with is she's all better, and she's in my movie, and you know,
1: yeah, I bet I bet that was kind of neat. And she does modeling and stuff now.
0: Oh yeah, there. Everybody in the Harry Potter movies turned out just gorgeous.
1: Yeah. Except for uh, a couple of them that went to jail or something. <laughs> right. Or
0: the one of these is like about the ones that died. Yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> so the other thing that I like about these pictures, which has nothing to do with the fact, but in every one of them, she's wearing blue, like, and she's Ravenclaw. And it just is so perfect. <laughs> yeah. Like, even in the one where she's in her school uniform, she's got, you know, her tie and her necklace on, but then she's got the blue dress and the blue collar and the blue shoes. I...
1: Yeah. I'm Ravenclaw, too, so.
0: Me, too. (laughs)
1: It's
0: the best. What would be your secondary house if you had to choose a second house Mm. and you couldn't be a Ravenclaw?
1: Uh, Probably Gryffindor, I guess. Yeah.
0: I think I'd be a Hufflepuff. Like, that house is not – it's, like, the one that nobody wants to be in. But it just – the more I think about it, the more I think, actually, I really like that. Like, everybody's nice and there's very little competition. I mean, there is competition, but it's not like Gryffindor and Slytherin. And I don't know. They're well rounded. I think I'd enjoy that house.
1: Now, you haven't been to the Wizarding World ever, have you?
0: No. If you go,
1: there is no <laughs> ra- uh, Hufflepuff people.
0: No, I bet.
1: You don't well, ever I, see them everywhere.
0: <laughs> yeah. I bet I would like to see, and I'm sure that it would be just a quick Google search, but like the statistics of people. Who claim houses, not necessarily like sorted by Pottermore or whatever, but like people who talk about their houses. I would bet that Hufflepuff is a minority.
1: Yeah, mostly. I, like, I mean, they have plenty of Hufflepuff merchandise. I, I mean, the big yeah. ones are Gryffindor and Raven, I mean, Gryffindor and Slytherin.
0: Of course, of but, course.
1: But they have some. Uh, merchandise for, like, Ravenclaw and Hufflepuff, but usually the only people you see in Hufflepuff are, like, the the actors that are there, like, the cast people that are there. Right.
0: Yeah, no, I would believe that. But I think that kind of fits Hufflepuff, too, right? Like, they wouldn't necessarily need to flaunt it, because they're just happy to to be there and learn and accept everybody and
1: but as a friend of mine likes to say deadpool's a hubblepuff oh yeah yeah he is in the books he's a (laughs) hubblepuff
0: that's hilarious I mean, in the new movie, I wonder if that's going to change with the Fantastic Beasts stuff coming out, because Newt Scamander's a Hufflepuff, and he's awesome.
1: Yeah, I mean, he's
0: very much a Hufflepuff, but...
1: And they're very in character down there. Like, uh, they'll make little comments about Hufflepuff, but uh, a friend of mine, Slytherin, and... My girlfriend is Gryffindor and we went to get pictures one day with some of the actors and they uh-huh. my friend who's Slytherin and they moved her to the side and they were like, we don't need to have a picture with you right now. <laughs>
0: that's awesome. Yeah, that's so. awesome. I, I have a good friend who is Slytherin and she, you know, she's got some great arguments for her house, but it's like, yeah, but you're still Slytherin. <laughs> like, there's still potential for you to turn out really evil.
1: Oh, by the way, if you're Slytherin, if you walk around Universal Studios because it's all connected, like mm-hmm. the, the Marvel uh villains, like Dr. Doom and stuff, they really uh-huh. like you. They'll come and single I- you out and say they like you. Honestly, That's they'll awesome. do that. <laughs>
0: That's awesome. I have to get down there. That'll have to be a, a future vacation plan.
1: Yeah, it is really great, though. It's really worth the money if you get a chance. Yeah, oh, that'd be so
0: great. All right, so this next one's about my favorite character, which... <laughs> i i love severus snape i the day that alan rickman passed away oh my gosh it was the whole school like i had former students coming by to check on me to make sure i was okay (laughs) it was very sweet but um so this is a disappointing one to me alan rickman didn't really know about snape's secret from the beginning So it's been rumored that before the producers, directors, cast or any of the crew knew there was only J.K. Rowling and Alan Rickman. You know what we're talking about, the secret that unraveled Severus That unraveled Severus Snape. Wow, I can't read today. Um, the fact that he was a good guy pretending to be a bad guy pretending to be a good guy or something like that. Truth is, the only one who knew from the beginning was J.K. Rowling. Not true. I don't know who thinks it's true, but it's not true, Rickman said. She gave me one tiny little left field piece of information that helped me think he was more complicated and that the story was not going to be as straight down the line as everyone thought. Rowling thought it was important that Rickman knew that Snape was going to be a very important important character later on but she never mentioned him being a double agent strangely enough Rowling has never mentioned anything in the matter on the matter in any interviews leaving it to Rickman to answer any questions on Severus Snape so was Snape's secret plan from the beginning or was it just a fluke i suppose we'll have to wait for Rowling to let us know through pottermore
1: yeah, this is one, like, uh, brings up, like, uh, the times that she did tell people. Like, uh, mm-hmm. have, you, have you heard the story about the thing with Dumbledore where the director wanted to do uh, add a little thing about his girlfriend? Mm-hmm. And she had to tell the director. Like, she was
0: like, nope, he's gay.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, like, I don't think she told anybody anything unless she had to.
0: Right. I would like to know what it is this little, one tiny, little left field piece of information. I want to know what that. Was. We'll never know. But I would love to know what she said. Like, you're not really a bad guy. I don't know. Like, what was the... I don't know, what like, was it she
1: told him? The thing I love about Snape as a character, and people tend to almost forget about this still, is that it's, there's no point where he was absolutely a good guy. Like No. He, like, he basically – it was Lily is the reason why he did good things. She made right. him do good things. Right.
0: His instinct was to be just as evil and dark as anybody else. Mm-hmm. It was just – you know, that whole love thing, which is, I mean, that's also how Harry survives and Voldemort dies and Quirrell dies and everything, you know, but yeah, I don't know. I loved Alan Rickman as Snape. He was so perfect.
1: Yep. He should have had an Academy Award for the last movie. Oh yes.
0: Oh my gosh.
1: He's just so good. It was really
0: good. Uh, I love Harry Potter. (laughs) I'm such a nerd. And
1: he brings so much to like like the point where he he goes up to, uh, I mean, he's with Dumbledore and he's like, "You're basically making Harry a pig to the slaughter." Yes. Like, like he delivers that in such a good way that you almost yes. you flip and you're like, "Dumbledore's not a good person." <laughs> yeah. No, I will.
0: I will always maintain that Dumbledore wasn't at any point in his life a great person. Like no he did some really great things, and I, I believe he thought he was doing the right thing most of the time, but a lot of it was just so much vanity and so much arrogance. Like, I am the only one who could possibly be keeper of all of this knowledge, so I'm, you know, gonna manipulate everybody around me to to fix things nobody else can help.
1: And throw children into danger because I don't want to reveal stuff.
0: Right, right. And, I you know, I don't know that it would have been better if he had told Harry everything from the start. Like, I feel like that probably wouldn't have worked out at all either. But there were definitely situations where he could have been more forthcoming. Like McGonagall. McGonagall never. She was absolutely 100% good and trying to do the right thing the entire time. She's kind of a flat character. But why didn't he trust her? Why? Why didn't he seek out some of her like maternal instincts since he obviously had none?
1: it's his ego it's like his ego it isn't like i liked i remember when the books came out that book came out and it revealed stuff about him and his family and how he was when he was young and a lot of people hated it mm-hmm. and i was like i loved it because it mm-hmm. showed this character who who was very cocky when he was young in his views which most of us are when we're really young and how he was led astray by love when he was really young and stuff like right that. like I loved all that stuff about him.
0: Yeah, well, it was it was very true, and it like to his character, and it really sort of explained him, and it also made him more of a complex character. I um I have in my office all the pop figures, like the all the Harry Potter and a bunch of the Fantastic Beasts ones.
1: The pop vinyls.
0: Yes. And and so I have them all out on this sort of like, well, it's a spice rack, but it looks like a stage or like bleachers <laughs> and, um, and I rearrange them and then make people guess how they're rearranged. Oh, hold on. What are you doing? Come here. Bad dog. OK, so um I try to arrange them one time in like depth of character, like characters that I I liked the most not like I would like to get to know them the most but I found the most intriguing and there were a surprising number of characters that I felt fell really flat like Dumbledore was definitely not one of those but in the end I was like you know what? I really don't like him he's really not a good dude.
1: Yeah, like, if you look at all the characters in it, like, she did a good job of not painting anybody as being perfect at all. I no, think. yeah, yeah. Well, well like well, you said, the only one that's close is McGonagall, really.
0: Yeah, I, well, there are some characters that, I don't know, It's and they all have their, like, quirks and downfalls and stuff. Like, I feel like McGonagall was always on the side of right as much as she was able to be, but she's still... She wasn't perfect because yeah. she, she was too much of a rule follower and I don't know
1: but I love like uh, and by the way I, I'll send you later our Harry Potter shelf pictures and you can see our pop vinyls and stuff oh but, yay. yeah. but uh I love getting back to uh, some of the depth in one of the characters one of my favorite parts in all the books which wasn't in the movies was when Hermione gets cursed and her teeth get really really big
0: yes and
1: then the, the, the nurse is bringing it back but she asks yes. her how far to do it and, and Hermione instead has her take it back to normal because that right. shows termini even is a little bit vain when it comes to stuff
0: right well and super smart because braces suck and that was the
2: alternative
1: (laughs) (laughs)
0: um yeah no i yeah i absolutely love that and i love too that like harry doesn't notice for i don't know 10 chapters or something and he's like oh wait (laughs) there's something different about you even though i see you and talk to you every single day
1: have you ever seen the pictures of her when they tried to do her weird hair and teeth? No. They did. They did it when they did like a costume fitting, and uh-huh. uh, and it it looked it was at that exhibit we went to, and mm-hmm. it, I don't think it would have worked because her teeth was supposed to be so like. Almost like beaverish. Like yeah. Long. Yeah. Like it wouldn't have worked. I thought it would have been really distracting for her to do that.
0: Yeah. I thought her hair as a kid was sort of distracting anyway because I knew what they were trying to do, but that was so obviously like crimped. Like I used to do mine in the 80s and 90s when I thought it was so cool. <laughs> and it wasn't just big and bushy and frizzy. And so I, I have the perfect hair for Hermione. I could have big, bushy, frizzy, crazy hair.
2: Yeah.
1: <laughs> And it's like uh, with Snape, I just think his character was like so well done because at first he is just like a basic villain. Right. Oh, yeah. yeah.
0: First couple of books, you're like, wait, why is he not the bad guy? He was obviously the bad guy.
1: But then, when you look back, there's little things that are planted, like he was doing yep. all along, and like even when people were like, "Oh, why was he help, uh helping the good guys?" Well, he could use that as an excuse. He was doing it to get close and get information and stuff. Yep. Like it, it was very well done. I thought, and I love yep. Snake, and I love Alan Rickman too because I love him in the kevin smith movie dogma i thought he's really good in that mm-hmm. and he's, mm-hmm. he's good in just about I everything that in so long yeah you stick him in any movie even like uh that robin hood movie with kevin costner he does yes really good anyway. yeah yeah yeah
0: he was so awesome all right ready for eight mm-hmm. eight dame maggie smith underwent chemotherapy for breast cancer during the last movies which that's one that i knew So it says, can you imagine the great or the Harry Potter series without the great Professor McGonagall? Dame Maggie Smith embodied the strict but sensible professor through 10 years of filming, and honestly, we couldn't imagine anyone better suited for the role. But it also almost happened when Smith was diagnosed with breast cancer. When Half-Blood Prince and Deathly Hallows Part 1 and 2 were being filmed, she underwent treatment and staggered through the final scenes. You feel horribly sick. I was holding onto railings, thinking, I can't do this, she said in an interview back in 2009 and thankfully she's made a full recovery since then my energy is coming back shit happens i ought to pull myself together a bit atta girl maggie i love that shit happens is
2: her, is her
1: comment I actually didn't know this one. Oh no! And, no, and that explains like I remember seeing the last two movies and thinking, man, she is a lot more frail looking than she yeah, was. Yeah, she got like, old. Like, yeah, I, I, even to an extreme, you know, you were thinking those movies weren't that far apart, like right,
0: right, and and chronologically they're not far apart either. So it's not like they should have aged her character. Mm-hmm. But yeah, but still she did such a great job. Like she had some powerful roles in that last one, especially. And she was just she just did it
1: and that part at that, that last one where she basically uh i forgot the exact line but where she's like defend your school when she brings the statues yes that'll make you tear up every time when every happens. time she's <laughs> like i've
0: always wanted to use that spell
1: <laughs> and then uh mrs weasley gives her a look like you're a little bit crazy <laughs> <laughs> right this is a
0: side of you i didn't see when i was your student here or however old she is where does she do you know where she falls age-wise I think
1: she's around, like, I think all wizards age a little bit, Uh, like, they they get a little bit older than humans. Yeah. She's not like Dumbledore. Dumbledore's a lot older because he had, mm-hmm. like, the stone with him and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I think he's a lot older. I think she's around normal age, I think.
0: But. Um. Well, like, would she have been there when Harry's parents were there, or would she have been, like, would she have been a student or a professor? She's more professor age when they were there, right?
1: I think she was. Wasn't
0: she? Oh, oh, oh. You know what? She was because she knew P- Peter Pettigrew and all of them. Yeah,
1: yeah, so she yeah, would yeah, yeah. have been, okay. yeah. So
0: she's, yeah, she's older. Although I say that, and I teach with some of the people that taught me, so, so that doesn't make you all that old.
1: <laughs> no, uh, not really. It really doesn't. And you got to think, like, Hagrid was there as a student during that time, too. And he, right. And he's a teacher later also, so. Right, right,
0: yeah. Hagrid, um, well, he would have been around the same time as Voldemort. Mm-hmm. Um, which in the new movies they're both children during the first fantastic beast movie like they're not in them but they're both children during that time
1: which which did you enjoy just as a side thing did you enjoy the new movie
0: absolutely yeah i really really did my favorite character was kowalski jacob the muggle Mm -hmm. he was the best
1: (laughs) he was good he was good i thought it was really good and at that one point when you see that 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 creature at the first time, like me and Bar, yeah. both in a the theater, like elbowing each other. Like we were like, like Dumbledore's sister, Dumbledore's sister. <laughs> I know, right? Oh
0: my gosh, I have so many things that I am gonna need explained over the next couple movies. Like there's that, and that this is just gonna spoil this movie for everybody. Spoiler alert. Um, but also the point, um, the Elder Wand. I, I have trouble right now with the ownership of the Elder Wand. Hmm. because I really feel like either Tina or Newt owns its um, loyalty right now. When they have to? They took it off Grindelwald, that- but Dumbledore takes it off him, and that's how he wins it. So he's got to get it back, right? I, did, I, mean,
1: I, did- <laughs> I didn't actually notice in the movie whether – is it clear that he's using the Elder Wand?
0: It, you don't have to be using the Elder Wand, because that's how Harry got it off Draco. Draco never even knew that he owned it. Because Drake took it off Dumbledore. Yeah.
1: So you don't actually have to disarm that one. You have to disarm the owner, right?
0: You have to disarm the owner in a duel of some sort, in some sort of conflict. Like, you can't just... Steal it. That doesn't work because Voldemort tries that. That doesn't work. But um, like when Harry takes Draco's wand, it's not even a magical duel. He like yanks it out of his hand. And that's how he gets ownership of the Elder Wand. So Newt through the – what is it called? Flying evil or something like that. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm talking about? The – The weird creature he carries around that looks sort of like a yo-yo. He threw that at, at Grindelwald and that incapacitated him. But then Tina actually took the wand off of him with Expelliarmus. So one of them is now the true master of the Elder Wand.
1: But my thing was, like, I didn't remember seeing – wouldn't he have to have the wand in his hand, would he?
0: No, because Draco never touched it
1: at all. Okay, okay. I get what you're saying now. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, that's interesting.
0: Yeah, and you can't give a wand away. So it's not like if Newt is its true owner, he can give it to Dumbledore later in the series because – Ron steals a Death Eater's wand and gives it to Harry, but it doesn't work for Harry. Yeah. Like it works, but it doesn't really work. Yeah. You know, well, it's
1: not a good Dumbledore's thing. supposed to be in the next one.
0: Yeah. So um, maybe I'm so he gets excited. it. <laughs> Well, so Grindelwald will have to get it back, though. He'll have to be in a fight with one of them or whoever takes the wand off of one of them or whatever else because he has to earn it because in Harry Potter, Dumbledore definitely takes it off Grindelwald and that's how he ends up being the master of the wand.
1: Yeah, when they f- he finally defeats him.
0: Yeah. So, hmm. I don't know. But okay. if this gets overlooked, I'm going to be so mad because I know that I'm right. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, Mar would be mad, too. The thing that uh, got me mad about the movies the most was the mirror, though. Because it, it's never explained what it is in the movie. Remember how he has the shard from the mirror? Oh,
0: Remember? yes, yes, yes. That I thought you were talking about Erisad. I was like, yeah, no. it is. We just watched yeah.
1: that. No, okay. no, he just randomly has that shard in the last two movies, but it's never explained yes. what it is, where it's from, or anything right. like that. Like, Why is it significant <laughs> that
0: he keeps seeing a flash of blue and... Yeah, no, I, that's true.
1: But I agree, they 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 got explaining to them. <laughs> Yes,
0: yeah. Well, I it's interesting too. Like, I don't know. I'd be interested. Well, I should just talk to. I usually when I talk to people who have only seen the movies and not watched or not read the books, then I just spend the whole time telling them that they can't talk about it because they don't know what they're talking <laughs> about. But I need to like talk to somebody like that and and see if they feel like they understood what was going on because I feel like the movies. Like I I got it, but I knew all the backstory that wasn't in the movies, which with Fantastic Beasts, we're not going to get that opportunity. We get what's in the movie and then you could read what's in the movie, but there's no more. So well, I it'd think be interesting. They,
1: I think they did a good job of la- leaving stuff out. And then also you could still follow the movie. Right. But, but there I, were
0: definitely things that like the mirror, like you said, that were, it, it should have odd. Been, like, I, Yeah.
1: I thought they should have come up with something else instead of just throwing that in like that.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. Um, all right. We are never, ever going to get do, done with this list in an hour. <laughs> there is no chance. <laughs>
1: Well, because po- now we're on. Mm-hmm. Well, the podcasting gods seem, seem to be against us not to finish the list anyway. So. Right?
0: Oh, my gosh. So, last time I was so excited when after you edited and I listened to it and I was like, oh, this is so much better than the first one where you couldn't hear anything. And then it was like, oh, we didn't make it. And it's what, 32 minutes into the podcast? And I'm going, no, of course we didn't make it. We have half an hour left. What's happening? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, our equipment does not love us oh well that's okay it's still fun yeah <laughs> alright so how about seven um, this one is super sad Daniel Radcliffe's stunt double was left paralyzed after a flying scene went horribly wrong in the Deathly Hallows So from 2001, David Holmes had been Daniel Radcliffe's, um, who's Harry Potter, of course, his stunt double. He took on fake dragons, ill-tempered trees, massive spiders, only to meet his match while rehearsing a flying scene for the Deathly Hallows. When an explosion sent him hurtling straight into a wall, Holmes broke his neck, which left him paralyzed for life. The horrific accident happened on January 2009 at the Warner Brothers Studios in Levenston. I hit the wall and then landed on the crash mat underneath, Holmes said in an interview with the Daily Mirror in March 2014. My stunt coordinator grabbed my hand and said, squeeze my fingers. I could move my arm to grab his hands, but I couldn't squeeze his fingers. I looked into his eyes, and that's when I realized what happened was major. I remember slipping in and out of consciousness because of the pain levels. I'd broken a bone before, so recognizing that weird feeling across my whole body from my fingertips right down to my toes, I knew I had really done some damage.
1: This was another one that I actually didn't know either. I did not either.
0: I had never heard this, which seems awful. Like, I, that, we should have heard this.
1: But there's actually, like, a lot. Uh, having some friends that work in, like, uh, the movie business, there's mm-hmm. so many people that get hurt on working on movies. You just never hear about it.
0: Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Well, you wouldn't want that to be what the publicity
1: was about. Yeah, yeah. But, uh, like, you only hear when it's, like, uh, like they think it's somebody sets up a bad example, like the Resident Evil movies. The director mm-hmm. of those movies is known to rush things when you shouldn't rush things, and there's been, like, oh. three – there's three people that's died making those movies.
0: Oh, my gosh.
1: Yeah, so, like, you have a certain situations like that, but, like, yeah, I hadn't heard that. And it shows you also how their stunts don't even see that dangerous, but somebody still got, like, major injuries from it.
0: Right. Well, yeah, I feel like being blown back against a wall – That's a pretty typical stunt for any movie. There are so many explosions or winds or magic or whatever. Like, that's just, that's a normal, I would think you could do it a hundred times, but he must have just landed exactly wrong.
1: Yeah it's awful. It doesn't um, take much to like do it. It's like uh, an inch here or there and it's make you get injured right, for life.
0: Right? Yeah. That's that's rough. I hope that they treated him well. Like I hope that they are taking care of him forever now cuz I mean they certainly have the budget to do that. And that's the end of his career. Like that's that's what he was doing for a living and that's over now.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was a sad one to hear. Like this list is a uh, to me, it's a little bit odd because it was talking about mysteries. I mean, like, kind of like things you didn't know about Harry Potter. And it threw in some facts, and then it threw that one kind of in the middle of it. And I was like, yeah. oh, that's kind of a serious one right in the middle of this. Yeah, that's dark.
0: Well, I don't know that um, the one before about Dame Maggie Smith. That one's yeah, pretty. Yeah, that's true, too. And yeah. it really, the first one about anorexia and Nirvana Lynch, that's, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Well, and it's also a lot about – at least the first half of it is a lot about the movies and less so about the the story. It's like the actors and the behind-the-scenes kind of stuff and not – it's not about the books.
1: Yeah, which I think is like, okay. Like we had a pub trivia contest recently, and there mm-hmm. was actually kind of like a fight between uh, people who wanted it to be about the movies and people who wanted mm. it to be about the books. Mm-hmm. So, I like the fact that they just went one way, basically, with it. Sure.
0: Oh, man. Can you hear that through the microphone? Is that thunder? Yeah, it is storming hard all of the sudden here. <laughs> it's all right. We need it. It was so, so humid earlier. But we were going to go to the beach this morning. I'm glad we didn't go. <laughs>
1: yeah, we're finally getting some rain down here, which we've needed for a long time. Yeah, I heard you guys have
0: been having a hot, hot summer.
1: Yeah, it's been pretty bad. <laughs> Yuck.
0: All right, um, let's see. So the only other thing that I was thinking about with that one, I have a – I want to call him my friend because, like, he's badass and kind of famous, but um, I have a – Fellow graduate from my high school senior class, who is now a stunt double and does like Superman and Edward Cullen, like really, really big roles. He lives out in California, I believe. Um, And I follow him on Instagram, like we knew each other in high school, but we, you know, we weren't really in the same circles. But um, I just that would His whole life revolves around athleticism and like his wife is into it and his kids are into it. And, you know, that's just I can't imagine how that would change your life to suddenly like you have to be in really great shape and really flexible and really kind of amazing. And then now he can I mean, he looks from the picture of him in the wheelchair. It looks like he is in control of a lot of his upper body, but
1: yeah, and, and, like, I'm sure, like, because stuntmen have a union and stuff, I'm so sure he got medical for it. But yeah. stuntmen don't make huge amount of money. They don't make big actor money or anything like no, that. No, no. So it's it's bad also in that aspect that, you know, he's pro. even if you're at the top of your game, you're not making, like, billions of dollars.
0: No, no, absolutely. Even though you are getting a ton of screen time no. in some cases. <laughs> But, yeah, I mean, and you're you're supposed to blend in and not be noticed as somebody different. So but yeah. 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 That one's just sad. Um, All right. So this one's not necessarily lighthearted, but not as dark as the last two. Number six is Harry Potter and Voldemort turned out to be blood relatives. Yeah. <laughs> um, There has been a lot of debate surrounding the Peverell brothers and their family heirlooms among Potter fans. Harry received the invisibility cloak. From Albus Dumbledore, only because he kept it for him after James Potter, who's Harry's father, died. The cloak was passed down from generation to generation since Ignotus Peverell, one of the brothers from the tale of the three brothers, um, who is said to have gotten it from death himself. On the contrary, Voldemort used the resurrection stone to make his ring a horcrux or to make his ring horcrux sorry and the books say that it had been passed down in his family as well so does that mean that harry and tom riddle have been blood related all this time some fans say it's obvious and that all purebloods in the wizarding universe are related in some way sort of like the royals others strongly refuse to believe it whatever the case may be we doubt that harry felt bad for killing his cousin 50 times removed
1: uh to start out with if you ever get a chance to go to wizarding world they do a puppet show of the three brothers it's great
0: Ooh, i bet i bet that's really cool
1: yeah they do it on the street with like the i don't know if you ever seen the giant puppets they can use yeah
0: like um marionette kind of things
1: yeah the really big ones though they do that and it's really nice it's really cool but that's uh, neat this reminds me of the fact that since the book started people always wanted to do like a star wars thing with harry potter almost where they wanted to say like oh is Voldemort his real father is Voldemort?" oh yeah and that like i think that fan theories go into that and plus the fact that like this brings up it written in it is that basically all the pure blood families are related Right,
0: which I think is obvious, right?
1: Yeah, like all of them are. Like if you look at like the Weasleys, which are pureblood family until like people in these books marry into it. Right. They're related to all the other pureblood families. Well,
0: because it seems like wizards don't do a whole lot of moving from country to country.
1: I mean, there's a little
0: bit, but Fleur moves. That's basically the only one that we see actually leaving you know, there are different wizarding schools, but they hardly even visit or know each other exist. Mm. Um, so it would make sense that they'd have to all be – not only would they all have to be related, but they'd all also have to be not actually pure blood. There's no way.
1: Well, that's that's what they bring up in the books. It's one of those things with, like, the people who use purity and racism of all kinds. Like, right. uh, Hagrid brings that up, the fact that there's no wizard that isn't mixed blood basically anyway. Right. So it's, right. it's not even, like, a real thing that can be possible because nobody yeah. is. It's like in this country. Nobody yeah. Everybody is, because, like, everybody is mixed blood from different people from all over the world, like...
0: Right, and if you're not sure, there's 23 and me and, like, 30 other different DNA tests you can take to prove it.
1: Yeah, and, like, with them like you you do have a very closed off community which seems to be very small in the books and the movies the wizarding right. community in each country seems to be very closed off and small
0: yeah which always sort of surprised me with the number of students that were going to hogwarts because i felt like it felt like there weren't enough wizards to support that many children every year but i guess if you're coming from basically all of the uk to one school then I guess that makes sense.
1: And also you have families who are all muggle until one kid pops up and they're a wizard.
0: That's true. That's true. Which is, is very weird. So the in Fantastic Beasts they talk about the statute for secrecy mm-hmm. and Newt apparently like, you know, the European have you seen Fantastic Beasts? You must have.
1: Yeah, yeah, I've
0: seen. Okay, it. all right, all right. So Newt, um, And the European wizards seem to be even more open-minded than – or maybe I should say like the American wizards are even more closed-minded about muggles and wizards and telling people if you're a wizard or a muggle or whatever else, which I thought was really interesting and it kind of makes me wonder – It made sense throughout all of Harry Potter. You have to keep this a secret. And the only time they really address it is when Hagrid is like, well, then muggles would be wanting all kinds of magical solutions for their problems and they'd never leave us alone. But that's like, what is the argument for that? That that's a very weak argument to cut yourselves off from everybody else for all eternity.
1: right? Yeah, it is. It's very it's very isolationist. Based Mm -hmm. on, uh, like, fear, I think, of fear of being persecuted for what they do, but also for being used for what they do. Right. uh, Which I can
0: see where it could be dangerous.
1: Yeah, and I like the fact in the movie, like, you were talking about how the Americans' wizards seem to be even more close-minded, that that paints the picture of our country really was lagging behind in a lot of that stuff than like, European countries. Oh, yeah. No, that's true. Like, we were the last major country to get rid of slavery, and that's one of the reasons why it happened was because was like uh like, countries didn't want to trade with us at that time, and that's really what caused their thing that happened. where we were like, oh, they won't trade with us because of slavery. Right, maybe
0: we need to look at this. Yeah,
1: so I think, I like the fact that the movie delves into that, that the U.S. is far behind when it comes to Muggle relations, the same way the right. country the real United States was far behind when it came to yeah, racial that's true.
0: relations. true yeah. that's true. Well, and it makes sense, too, for all the Obscurus, or obscuri, I don't know what the plural is, obscuruses. Um, to be such a problem in New York during that time because I wonder like it seems to me that if you were a muggle born wizard in America that you'd be out of luck. Like I don't see you getting a whole lot of support from the wizarding community. If they're not even allowed to talk to muggles or have relationships with muggles or befriend them or anything else, you know what I mean? Like in Europe, they just tell the parents and then they're sort of sworn to secrecy and whatever. But in America, I just don't see that happening, at least not in the 1920s when that movie yeah. took place. Yeah, and
1: this is around the time, and I don't know the exact details. Even though I'm a huge fan, I'm not, like, you know, all the details. Uh, mm-hmm. But, like, one of the points is this is when they start regulating, you know, the magical animals, but this is also around the time when they really start regulating everything with laws yeah. and stuff. Yeah, yeah. So it's a very chaotic time.
0: Yeah. Well, and then um, mm-hmm. have you read the Fantastic Beasts textbook
1: I did a long time ago. I haven't read them recently.
0: Recently. So I think the updated version has more stuff in it, but the, the prologue of it was the very best part because it talks about, and I'd never even thought about how to classify a beast versus a being. So like, something humanoid that would get rights versus an animal. And it talks about like centaurs and mermaids and dwarves and goblins and all of these sort of fringe. They're not human, but they may still have intelligence. And it's it's really an interesting thing to think about
1: (laughs) well the, the books explore the fact that a lot of those groups were with Voldemort because wizards still didn't consider them equals yes yeah. So well, and like,
0: the centaurs had a lot to do with that, apparently, if you, you know, go into all the history, yeah, which is interesting.
1: Yeah. The giants joined in with them because of that. And mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It is really interesting. So
0: but it also is very cool because Newt ends up being responsible for things like the beginning of the werewolf registry, which then when you get to Harry Potter and like modern days, it's like, mm, is this really a good thing or is this not? You know, so it's like he he just had his limitations as well, which I thought was cool. I love that she makes round characters.
1: Yeah, I think it's gonna be interesting seeing all all what makes him up because like one of the things I looked at with that movie was like when he talks about the war and he's talking about his brother in a way, but I'm, I I I kind of read into it that he something happened to him during it too. Sure. Something, yeah, something bad happened to him during the war too. So like it'll be interesting what else they explore. Yeah,
0: yeah, I can't wait for the rest of it. I hate that it takes so long to make one and release it.
1: <laughs>
2: Just
0: make them all. Then tell me about it, then release one every six months. Yeah. <laughs> I'll still buy the tickets. It's good. Um, speaking of, there is a hotel in London with Hogwarts themed wizard chambers, and I totally want to go. <laughs> <laughs> It says the Georgian house hotel in central London is a beautiful and luxurious retreat. Sounds like an advertisement "uh, that was built back in 1851. And although all its rooms and apartments are remarkable, none of them hold a candle to the wizard chambers. It comes with potion bottles, cauldrons, four poster beds, various wizard decor that make the room feel as if you've just come in from dinner in the great hall. The site offers various tours a muggle can take to educate themselves on the wizarding world, but the room, um, but for the room being two hundred and nine pounds for two people a night, it's not cheap. So yeah, I know I'll never be able to afford it, but it looks awesome.
1: There's been rumors forever that they're going to open up a hotel of that down here.
0: They should they they absolutely should. Doesn't Disney have all their themed hotels?
1: Yeah, but Harry Potter's like, like Universal, but yeah
0: well but right, do. but I mean it obviously works.
1: Yeah, they could, I mean, it could work, and they could do one. I mean, I know friends of mine that want, like, basically all of Universal Studios to be nothing but Harry Potter. I mean, I'd be all for that.
2: Yeah. <laughs>
0: Vibe. Yeah, this would be cool. So I I play Minecraft because I'm just a total nerd in every aspect of my life, and um I definitely started building Hogwarts and I built the Slytherin common room and chambers and the Gryffindor <laughs> and chambers and the Great Hall with all the floating casts or candles up in the sky and.
1: Oh, by the way, when you asked me earlier which other house I would like to be in, the only only reason why I think about Slytherin is they do have the best common room, if you ask me.
0: Uh, yeah, Under the Lake... Yeah. And yeah, no, it's it's pretty sweet. <laughs> it's true. Although, <coughs> excuse me, we never get to see Hufflepuff. So, who knows? That might be an awesome common room and isn't they're just it, keeping it a secret.
1: Isn't it like in the tower or something? I think
0: so. Ravenclaw is No, the Ravenclaw's, Ravenclaw's in, in tower. tower. Yeah. Yeah. And know. Gryffindor's in a tower. So, I would assume that Hufflepuff, just to make it even, would be lower. I don't know. <laughs> But that's the one house that we never go into because there weren't very many characters from Hufflepuff that really made it to the end of the books.
1: No, not really. Huh.
0: So, And there weren't very many that stood out at no, all. Maybe I just feel bad and that's why I want to be Hufflepuff.
1: <laughs> I mean, the best one. I mean, the biggest character really ends up dying. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like, like cedric like he dies and that's sort of the biggest one from that house in a way he, and, yeah uh, he and certainly those. was the most
0: like notable yeah. um and famous in his in his time mm-hmm. i was gonna see if i could figure out who else was in hufflepuff
1: well a lot of uh, people think actually that luna is because when luna wears all the gryffindor stuff <laughs>
0: Right. Yeah, she's definitely that would be her secondary house for sure, because yeah. she would never have any interest in Gryffindor or Slytherin. Like, that's just not her her thing. Mm-hmm. Um, Yeah, I mean, Sprout obviously was there. Oh, Tonks was. Yeah, Tonks Tons was a Hufflepuff, but not during their time. Ernie McMillan, and he's kind of a jerk.
1: Tonks is like my sick, second favorite character.
0: She's awesome. I wish that she was in the in the book or in the movies more. Like I, they could have done more cool stuff with her.
1: Yeah, they had a really good actress play her, too, so it would have been yeah. really good. Yeah. Yeah my uh, my first favorite character is Jenny, and then Tonks.
0: Oh. Um. I really love like Jenny. So there's been a lot of people lately who have been making good arguments for the Weasleys. But lately, one of my favorites has been Hagrid because I think he was such a great dad to Harry and got no recognition for it at all. But he was like the only real loving father figure. Like he, he didn't have the mental capacity or the power to really be Harry's father so it wasn't like Sirius who had some power or Dumbledore who had some power but he's the only one that like cheers him on and cares about his emotional well-being and is sad when they well McGonagall's a little bit sad but like sad when they leave him behind for 11 years and
1: yeah he's kind of like a surrogate parent to almost all the kids in that school
0: he is but he's got a special place for for Harry yeah
1: he does like
0: um number four i don't know why this is considered a fact but we'll go anyway how are we doing on time by the way are we like two hours in already
1: (laughs) (laughs) no we're like uh 25 minutes until
0: oh okay oh wow we have a lot more time than i thought cool all right so we might make it
1: Mm
0: -hmm. Uh (laughs) uh-huh number four uh jk rowling hit a lot of plot details that were later revealed which is not a fact that's an opinion by definition, but whatever it says, if there's one thing that was safe to assume, it would be that JK Rowling loves her riddles. Hmm. Is that why her antagonist's real name is Tom Riddle? Well, it sure seems like she's quite the Riddler. This is so cheesy. If you look at all the puzzles (laughs) hidden in the pages of the Harry Potter series, remember how Tom Marvolo Riddle uh, became an anagram for Voldemort. Well, I am Voldemort or Lord Voldemort. Well, that's just one small taste. In the Order of the Phoenix, after Harry and Dudley were attacked by dementors, they return home to angry Uncle Dursley. And when Harry mentions they were being attacked by dementors, Uncle Dursley demands to know what they are, only to have Aunt Petunia tell him, absent-mindedly, of course, they guard the wizard prison of Azkaban. An astonished Harry Potter then asks her how she knew about them, and she responds with, I heard that awful boy telling her about them years ago. Obviously, Harry assumed that she meant his father, James, but we learn in Deathly Hallows that the awful boy that Aunt Petunia was referring to was actually Severus Snape, and that's just one conundrum out of numerous others.
1: Yeah. So uh, well <laughs> one other thing is it explores is the fact that how detail oriented her writing is. Like, yes. It's it's all works. There's so much stuff that works, even though it's like it's simple enough to read, but all this mm-hmm. stuff just like flows and is connected and stuff. Yes.
0: Well and that's you can listen to them and watch them over and over and over and over and over again and there's always something that you didn't notice.
1: Yeah, there is like I've listened to those books own cd you could read them too i guess (laughs) yeah like i've listened to them like eight billion times like i still listen to them ever so often at work because i listen to podcasts all day long but Mm -hmm. ever so often i'll pop that in or hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy and i'll just listen to them over and over again
0: yeah i do too sometimes i listen to them as i'm falling asleep at least the first ones not not usually the last three or so (laughs) those are a little depressing
1: a little bit <laughs>
0: yeah um no I, I it's amazing and i i wonder like i know she had the the very end which i hate by the way the epilogue which i just refuse to believe exists but um she had that written originally but i wonder how much of the other stuff she knew or how much she went like back into the first books and said oh well here's something we could make into a bigger thing. I, just, I I would love to know her process. How did she catch all of that? Well, most and,
1: most writers tend to map out stuff and then they'll write certain scenes as they think about yeah, it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But even so, that's it was thousands and thousands of pages worth of things that all had to be tied together and she did a pretty flawless job. I mean, there are there are some things that are like, hmm, but most of it is really well done. It's you know foreshadowed in the beginning and then it becomes a thing later on that's really important and you never noticed it in the beginning and I don't know. It's it's very cool.
1: The reason why I don't mind the epilogue is that as a writer, I've always seen it as her way of putting a final stamp on the characters. Yeah. Then, then she doesn't end up like it's almost like Agatha Christie with the character pro when she kills him. And she did that to right. say this is me killing him off.
0: Right. Now he's over, you can't go on. Yep.
1: So from point A to point B, these are the stories for him that when I die right. and people write other ones, then those have nothing to do with my character, I killed him off here, and I think the yeah. way she was trying to say, like, this is me putting a stamp in, and and she didn't actually plan on writing anything else in the future at that time, so she was probably just right. putting a stamp at the end of it saying, this is how it ends up in the future, nobody else is going to come 30 or 40 years later and write what happened
0: and Right, and change it, which is fine, but what I don't like about it is it reads like fan fiction. Everybody... <laughs> in her whole story bad things happen to good people and you don't always get what you want and you have to make sacrifices and sometimes you do the wrong thing and then in the epilogue it's like and they all lived happily ever after and they all got their dream job and they all married the person that they loved and then they were all friends when the next generation came along and like that's just not it doesn't even fit with the style of the rest of her stories i don't
1: don't when you write a prequel or a sequel to anything, and and what that epilogue was was almost like a a end point of it, as mm-hmm. like a sequel endpoint of it. You tend to write yourself into corners. You know what I mean? It's like when you write yeah. pre when you do a prequel of something, you tend to write stuff people know, and it leads up to it. Like the Star Wars movies, they were handcuffed the prequels from the beginning because they had to write right. stuff that people already knew. So right. They
0: was, had to reach the end that was already decided. Yeah.
1: So at, when her when she decided to do that epilogue you're basically like what are you gonna write that they all were you know were miserable or something like that by her nature actually deciding to do that she almost made herself have to write kind of a happy ever after thing when she decided to do that I think yeah
0: I don't know I just felt like because I know that she had said that she'd written it early on and it just sort of felt to me like she started out As a young and inexperienced writer, she wrote the very ending. Then she grew into this amazing writer who wasn't afraid to kill off beloved characters. But then she stuck her rough draft at the end, kind of, you know, like Mm -hmm. it was not she I could see Ron and Hermione being together for a little while and then being like, Yeah, this is ridiculous. It's never gonna work. And (laughs) You know, having a little bit of, of heartache. I don't know. And, and,
1: and Pottermore's a little bit of her going back and fixing that yeah, in a way. Yeah. Yeah. But,
0: I can't imagine being – I mean I feel like I'm super immersed in Harry Potter's world and to have created it. You would just never be able to leave. You would have to stay there forever.
1: Yeah, and like – uh, me mentioning uh Agatha Christian and mm-hmm. uh one of the things that last book where he dies that was put in a vault and that wasn't released until she died oh yeah so, I so didn't know so that that was her way of like when I die, this will be released and this is what happened and stuff like that so like uh, you, you can very easily write yourself in corners and I do think she did with, by creating an epilogue yeah
0: yeah oh well <laughs> um the rest of it was wonderful I, I don't – I'm not a big fan of Cursed Child either, but maybe I would be if I saw it on stage instead of just read it.
1: I haven't read it, but I know everything that happens from it, and it seems okay to me. And I think the problem with that is you're reading a play. Yes. And it yeah. really doesn't fit when you try. It's like reading a screenplay. When you try yeah, it doesn't to read have the detail. And it doesn't work as a story, as a narrative story that way. No.
0: Mm-mm. But I also felt like it was a little bit of – um like wish fulfillment kind of let's just throw out all kinds of insanity and see what would have happened and i don't know i don't know i'm judgy
1: (laughs) i think these movies are actually a better continuation than the play was
0: yes i absolutely agree i do because they fit way more with the style and the character development and everything else so anyway all right number four Uh, J.K. Rowling. Oh, wait, no, we just did that one. Ha ha. Let me go on to number three. (laughs) (laughs) The first Wizarding War was at the same time as World War Two, and Voldemort was influenced by Hitler. So that one, I just thought was kind of obvious, but um, it says many writers were influenced by history, culture and literature. And Rowling was no exception to this rule. She based the story of the first wizarding war greatly on the not that of Nazi Germany in the second world war. And also centered in on that time. I wanted Harry to live, to leave our world and find exactly the same problems in the wizarding world, she says in an interview. So you have the intent to impose a hierarchy. You have bigotry, this notion of purity, which is this great fallacy, but it crops up all over the world people like to think themselves superior and if they and then if they can pride themselves in nothing else they can pride themselves on perceived purity so yeah that follows a parallel to nazism also um, not too sure that that doesn't follow a parallel to a little bit of what's going on at the moment um Voldemort's life and likeness was also greatly influenced by Hitler and his dictatorship. Although the two are different in their own ways, their hunger for power and distaste for anyone different from them still remain the same. And really, even that whole like, um, wow, I just lost my train of thought. Even that whole Hitler was not really his own ideal and Voldemort is not his own ideal because he's not pure blood at all. Like he can't even make the argument that he is.
1: Yeah, it's like you said. It's like a uh, no duh. It's like right. <laughs> right. That, well, like I mean, th- these
0: are obvious parallels.
1: <laughs> it, I mean, the same thing can be said about Star Wars. When people say Star Wars is a parallel to like uh, World War II, and it's like sure, th- it is because sure. it's the aftermath of World War One, and the prequels are World War One, if you look at it in a lot of ways, and then it's World oh War II yeah, is uh, the, the second group of movies, which was the original ones, is that and it's one, and, and they had the stormtroopers, of course, and if you. look Look like in the movies, the, the propaganda of the ministry when he takes over and stuff like it is all very Nazi-like.
0: Yes. It's also not unlike turning on the television right now. Yeah. <laughs> Which is terrifying. And I wish I had the Elder Wand. Or any wand, really. I'd feel a little safer if I could do magic. So. But yeah, I thought that one was, was pretty similar. I do like their... Um, there are pictures, the side-by-side Daily Prophet and San Francisco Chronicle with the World War II and the um, the one from – this must be from – actually, I don't know which movie this one would have been from. The Daily Prophet, The Death Eater Terror Continues. It looks like it's from the new one from Fantastic Beasts, but it's that time. Actually, it wouldn't make sense. I don't know uh
1: i can't remember seeing that one i know the the, <laughs> co- the there's a company that does all the propaganda plots for the movies uh-huh. and i got a set of uh postcards actually that are uh, like from those that company made that has all its stuff in it which is really cool stuff uh, that's neat. yeah like i thought they did a really good job of showing all that and uh yeah like yeah it parallels and i think it's one of those obvious parallels but i like the fact that she tried to not make it an escape you know what i mean right yeah
0: it's not like you go to the wizarding world and everything's perfect except for this one bad guy or you know yeah there's all sorts of trouble and corruption and problems and
1: and what it shows is that if you don't pay attention to way things are going in society uh history will repeat itself don't be complacent about stuff or it will repeat itself right
0: right Again, we could say the T-word, but it would be happier if we didn't. So let's just move on. <laughs> uh, all right. So um, this one's super sad <laughs> as she laughs. Seventeen actors who worked on the Harry Potter movies have died. And I will admit to not knowing all of these because um, not all of them are major roles. But there have been some pretty major actors who have died. Mm-hmm. Um A staggering amount of actors and actresses have died since appearing in Harry Potter, which to me is a misleading sentence because the movies are over a decade old and there were tons and tons and tons of actors and actresses. So, of course, statistically, a bunch of them would be dead. But anyway. Um, from David Ryle, who played Elpheus Doge in The Deathly Hallows, which I didn't know about that one, to Sir Richard St. John Harris, who played the first Albus Dumbledore, the real Albus Dumbledore, the better Albus Dumbledore, <laughs> before his unexpected death in 2002. It's true that the films are filled with people of an older generation, but even a few younger cast members have met an untimely death. David Legenado, Le- Legendo? I don't know, who played Greyback, Fenrir Greyback, for example, died at 51 because of heart-related issues, and an even younger actor, Robert Knox, who was Marcus Belby, died at 18 when he was stabbed to death outside a bar defending his little brother. Others included Timothy Bateson, who voiced Creature, the house elf, Richard Griffiths, who played Vernon Dudley, and Rick Mile, who played Peeves, the poltergeist, but he wasn't actually in the movies. They cut all his scenes out.
1: Yeah, which I didn't like because I liked that actor.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, and Peeves was – Peeves and Creature and like some of the more – I would realized they were like expensive and complicated characters, but they were really essential to the plot in the books, and then they didn't appear in the movies either hardly at all or at all.
1: Yeah, like the party of the dead in the books. Remember that? It's yeah, like, yeah, like that's yeah. a really good part. Yeah. Uh, one one thing uh mentioned right away is like you were talking about who was your favorite Dumbledore. Mm-hmm. I actually like both of them because I think the first one fit for the first couple of movies, and I've talked to this mm-hmm. with friends of mine because they were more more for younger ages, and the other one fit for the later movies because he was more serious in a way.
0: Yeah, he just needed a little bit more. Of the calm and, like, serenity of the first one. I think maybe somebody right in between would have been yeah. perfect. But and,
1: and my favorite actor on this whole list is the guy that played Vernon Durdley. No kidding. Uh, yeah. Like a show I love a lot that he was on was a show called Pie in the Sky, mm-hmm. which was a British uh, detective show where he plays a cook. That uh, was a cop and retired, but they keep bringing him in for mysteries and stuff. Of course, okay. As as you do in all these shows where, it, like, you're yep. a, you're a, a writer or you're whatever an actor, and they bring you in to solve mysteries or whatever. Right, but, right. because really the people
0: who are trained to do that and actually employed to do that can't possibly do it without okay. your help. Yeah,
1: but <laughs> he's really good in that, so he was like one of my favorites. Yeah,
0: well, that was that's a rough role to be assigned to. It's like Dolores Umbridge, and you know all. these people that just really aren't redeemable in very many ways you know I feel like she was worse than at least Voldemort had an excuse and Snape and the Malfoys sort of had an excuse and then there's like the Dursleys and nope they're just shitty people (laughs) <laughs> oh, yeah.
1: And that shows us. It's, it's like good writing because it shows like this person is just a human person. And they're worse. At, like you was talking about people who've only seen the movies. If you've never seen the movies, you don't know that they are awful to him in the books. They beat him in the books.
0: Oh, yeah. No, it's yeah. really, really terrible. Yeah, Toby was saying, oh, they're so rude. They're so rude. My four year old when we watched it the other day for the first time. And I was like, yeah, in the movies, they really are very rude, but in the books, they, like, need somebody called on them, right? CPS needs to get involved.
1: And, like, uh, uh, Rick Mayall who played Peeves but got cut mm-hmm. like I always was a fan of him I loved the old British show the young ones that he was on and stuff so I didn't even know until a couple of years ago that he, they actually filmed all these scenes and cut them out and I was like oh man I would love to have seen that <laughs>
0: right well it has to be somewhere right aren't there some released scenes with Peeves in them
1: Uh, they filmed them, but they didn't do the special effects so they would have to film oh. do all the effects you. and stuff
0: I gotcha yeah he- he would have been interesting because he was very different from a ghost, and I think that seeing him would have made that more clear. Because in the book, like they describe him, but then he has a lot of the same qualities as a ghost. He can go through walls and he can interact with things to an extent. And but, um, but he wasn't. He was this colorful, clownish, evil little jerk. <laughs>
1: And host, it actually
0: turned out to be kind of cool
1: in the end and like all her details like we talked about earlier like the whole story of all the ghosts and like mm-hmm. the, the bloody baron and all those yes. and that story with all them could have made books on their own just those oh <laughs> yes
0: oh yes yeah and how they're all interconnected and yet they all came back to hogwarts to live together <laughs> but yeah i know they're very that's all very cool she's so neat um all right last one you ready JK Rowling regrets Hermione ending up with Ron instead of Harry and nearly killed Ron off. I'm okay with this. It mm-hmm. seems that J.K. Rowling had no love lost for poor Ron Weasley at times. She admitted that she may have got it wrong to pair him and the beautiful, beautiful Hermione Granger up in the end when it was obvious that Hermione should have ended up with Harry Potter instead. That I don't agree with. Um, I wrote Ron-Hermione relationship as a form of wish fulfillment, she said. Fulfillment, that's how it was said. conceived, that's really, yeah, was for yeah. reasons that, that had, had very little to do with effort. literature and far more to do with me clinging to the plot as clinging I first to imagined. The plot I so we didn't quite make it this time. But that's not all. All bad news. We're planning on a very special episode of all the top items that we've missed. Subscribe so you don't miss that episode or any episode of Shortlisted. We hope you enjoyed this month's show. We had a blast making it and we're grateful for all of our listeners. For all things Shortlisted, go to shortlistedpod.wordpress.com. Shortlisted is part of the Tinpod Radio Network. For more episodes of Shortlisted and other Tinpod projects, you can visit tinuniverse.blogspot.com. If you're a fan of Tin Pod Radio, you can show your support by donating on Tin Pod's Patreon page. We'd love to hear what you thought of our show. If you'd like to give us feedback, your thoughts on this month's list, or your idea for our next top 10, email us at shortlistedpod at gmail.com. And don't forget to check out Erin's other project, Crime Crazy, a weekly true crime podcast. Find her and her amazing co-host Jordan at crimecrazypodcast.com.